0: Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. To open your Bibles or open your phone, you get half credit if you read it on your phone on a Sunday morning. And uh, if, you, if you have not made kind of a regular habit of reading the Bible, uh, we broke last year, we broke the Bible up into a um, two-year reading plan. This is year two, but we also have year one out there, and my encouragement to you is to make, you know, as we set kind of these goals every single year, and, uh, and you know, we make fun of the idea of having a, um, a you know, uh, what do you call that when you make a goal for the year, and then you quit by week. There you go. New Year's resolution. You know, a Christian ought to be the person that actually sets the highest standards for their life. Like, Lord, these are the things that I want to see you do. There's a, a you know, group of books that I would love to consume this year, uh, and certainly um, setting that kind of goal of, Lord, Lord I want to I walk with you on a regular basis. I want to read your word on a regular basis. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles that are available outside, inside this room. Uh, not the neighbor next to you, don't steal their Bible, but we have fresh copies of God's Word for you, and then as well as those journals that, that Brian mentioned. 2020, this is a great prayer for the new year when we think about all that God would want to do in our church and in our families and in your personal life and my personal life. And this is a prayer that uh, I love to read on a regular basis. Um, our board, which is made up of David Singh, Brian Hill, and myself at this point, Uh, We prayed this prayer over RVC uh, during the month of November, just asking God's blessing upon our lives. And I just love what Paul prays. And you'll notice that the prayer really is about the greatest area of our life, the things that we should have the greatest concern in our lives, which is that inner person that we are, even more than the physical things that we trust God for. Here's this, this, this idea of a spiritual renewal, if you would, that I think that, that Paul laid out for the church in Ephesus and I think is a beautiful idea and prayer for you and I moving into 2020. It's chapter 3, Ephesians, and it starts in verse 14. Paul says, For this very reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This prayer Paul prayed uh, for that church and, and really laid out the things that he knew that God wanted to do in in their lives, after he had already explained the gospel message, which is all that God had done for us. As he talked about in chapter one, how God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. He redeemed us by his blood. He's adopted us into his family, that we are saved by faith and saved by grace through faith. That's not something that we do, he tells us in chapter two. It is a work that God does in our life, not by works, so that no one can boast. And he describes how God has done that work of the gospel, made us alive. And before he gets to the next section of this letter that he wrote, which talks about how that works out in our everyday life, he has this moment, this pause, if you would, of this is what we are praying that God would do in your life and in our lives. I love how he wraps up the prayer in verse 20 and 21. And it's a description of who God is and can be in each of our lives. It's important for you and I to know that God is able. As you approach 2020, I would imagine that you have scenarios that you've lost control of. Things that are in your life, in your children's life, or in your loved one's life, or in your, your work life, that you just look ahead and you get a little bit fearful about. Like you, have the, uh, you don't have the ability to control the situation. How many of you have discovered finally that you are not in control? right? Your, your kids are like going, raise your hand. You need to know this. You're not in control. As we head into a year, I want you to understand that God is able and that all the things that you and I would face in life, we should never measure our trials or problems based on our capacity to handle them. Paul reminds this church Is that you should view your troubles in life and struggles in life with the capacity that how God can handle them. And he closes saying, and our God is able, God is able to do immeasurably beyond what you could ever imagine or think or write down as a prayer request. God is able to do that. He's also a father who is willing. I think about heading into 2020 as I kind of do some of my own assessment of life, you know what I mean, and, and just where I am personally in my own spiritual life, my own spiritual journey, my role as a father, my role as a husband, my role as a pastor, friend, and, and all the different, grandfather now, my role as a grandfather and learning how to, you know, set up forts so we can shoot my children with the dart guns and things like that. She's six weeks old. It's amazing, her shot already. I'm just kidding, we didn't get and say, you know what, Lord, I I want to head into 2020 with this idea that, Lord, I'm totally relying upon you. I want to head into this year with the kind of hope and expectancy that Paul lays out for this church in Ephesus as well, that God is able to do abundantly beyond what you and I could ever hope or imagine. I don't know what that is for you, but it it is important that you do look in your new year and say, God, what is it that I want to trust you for? What is it that I want to see you do in my life? What do you dream about God doing? What do you need God to do in your life? What, what repair work does he need to, to accomplish on your behalf or your family's behalf? See, Paul's in prison right now, and he's asking God to work on behalf of these Christians. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. And he, his request is, is, is based on Uh, according to the riches of his glory. Another way of saying that is from his unlimited resources. Your kids may have asked you for presents and, you know, like, oh, I'd love if you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And you're like, negative? Nope. Not happening, right? And it's because you don't have unlimited resources. And thank God you and I don't have unlimited resources because we would make them more spoiled, right, (laughs) and ruin their lives. But he's a father, he has his unlimited resources. He cares. He's our creator with these unlimited resources. And it's important that we understand that not only is he able, but he's willing because he's a father. And he's the one who made us. You notice these requests? The requests that Paul makes, they have to do with the inner life of, of, of a person. And as much as you and I are called to pray, right? Ask God for our daily bread. Ask God for to meet our needs, physical needs, although those are a reality in our life and we certainly trust God for resources to clothe our family and feed our families and buy homes and things like that, uh, the inner need of a person is a far greater area of concern or it should be a far greater concern in our lives because that's what lives forever your physical body, I hope this year that you do a little better, right? That we all do a little better. Thank God we don't have like Christmas break for 50 weeks a year, right? Because it just would not go so well. Did you guys know Costco has a pecan pie this big for like $1.99? Sure, let's have five of them. How many of you guys got one of those, by the way? Like, seriously, you could buy a big old pecan pie less than pecans you could buy at Trader Joe's Just for you, that was free, you can think about it next year. Physical goals, right? Cut back on drinking, quick, all com- you know, drinking complete, Eat better. Make those goals, but man, I would love to just ramp it up here at RVC. I- I'd love for us to leave today going, "God, I want to see you do a significant work." That's eternal in nature, that changes who I am at the core center of my life, that part of me that's going to live on with God for eternity, that inner person. Use this prayer as you process your, your year. Write this prayer out on a card, put it on your refrigerator. pray it over your family and your kids and also for RVC. When you look at this prayer. You look at these, these requests that Paul lays out or the things that he knows that God wants to do in their life. There's really four areas of concern for the, for the inner life of, of believers that he prays for. And number one is this. If you're taking notes on that, uh, as we're saving the tree one paper at a time, we gave you a journal that has a bunch of dead trees in it. Number one is this. Paul's prayer is for strength. He says that I, I pray in verse 16. According to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This idea of, of power inside of our lives, it's the same word that Paul says in the, in the power of this, or excuse me, that Luke wrote in Acts chapter 1, the power of God's spirit will come upon you. It, it, the, the, the Greek word is dunamis, it's where we get our English word dynamite from. It's that idea that there's this power to overcome, to overcome resistance, right? I love what, how one translation reads it. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with an inner strength through his Spirit. It literally is this idea of being enabled to live the life that he calls you and I to live. God asks you and I to do hard things in life, right? Somebody, just help me out. This is going to be the one moment we have a shout back at the pastor. One Sunday a year, right? What's something hard that you are called to do as a Christian? Love, right? We just, we just, we all failed, right? When your in laws and outlaws came through the holidays this last couple months. To love the unlovable. How about forgiveness? How many of y'all have a struggle forgiving people that wound you or wound those who love you? To love others, to forgive others, to be selfless. In marriage, no show of hands right now. How many have a spouse that has a hard time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Strengthen with might in your inner being, power for living. Think about it like this it's power for living as you and I ought to live. The life of a Christ follower is the most difficult life to live on planet Earth. To forgive the unforgivable, to, to love the unlovable. To be selfless, to allow your life to be poured out when it's not appreciated, right? To, to lay your life down for another, for the sake of Jesus. You're called to take up the cross and follow Jesus on a daily basis. That's not an easy life. Lord, how do we do what seems impossible? The answer is found in having a strength that comes outside of my abilities. It's a work of God's spirit in my life. It's a work of God's spirit in my life. You know, the recovery community gets this idea that you are powerless over that addiction and you have to actually just surrender. I'm unable to do that. That's really the life of the Christian. Lord, I'm powerless to do this kind of loving that you're asking me to do. I need you to come in, invade my heart, and give me a supernatural strength. That's, a, that's a, an area of God, I need to rely on you and not my own strength. I would say that in my life, and I would venture to say in your life, that most of your defeats come because of self-reliance. Out of just relying on yourself, putting off God in prayer, Lord, I need to seek your face, but Lord, I got this. Not feeding your inner person with God's word on a daily basis, and you have a, a, a limited strength spiritually. And yet God wants to come and strengthen our lives. I love what Paul says about kind of dealing with our, our sinful life. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Meaning that as a Christian now, that part of you that says, hey, I want to be naughty, you know what I mean? I'm just going to break it down for a two-year-old like, man, I want to do what I want to do, really is what the flesh says. You don't have to give into that any longer as a Christian, because now you have a choice, because God's Spirit now indwells your life. He says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. Show of hands. Hemi's lives got worse because you allowed your flesh to dictate how you're going to carry out your living everyone i've never met a person my life got better when i just said you know what let's just pedal to the metal live exactly how my flesh wants to live all of our bumps and bruises in our life are because of those dumb choices right all of our shame and embarrassment comes from those dumb choices but paul says but if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature you will live People want to know, how do, we, how do we get over like temptation and sin and just keep falling into the same pattern of sinful living? It's through the power of the Spirit you kill it, right? And it's only through the power of the Spirit can you do something like that. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 4, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This, this understanding of that, hey, your outer body you take care of it as best you can, but it's going to fall apart. But that inner rich life just gets renewed as you and I rely on God's Spirit for that renewed work and that strength and that power. In the book of Acts, we see this church that was empowered, their living, their ministry. They had a strength to face opposition. Uh, They did things that only could be attributed to a work that God was going to do. It wasn't a result of going to a conference, listening to a podcast, like, oh, I found, I found the magic sauce. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing new. you know something this year? I'll probably read a couple books on prayer. Do you know what I don't need to, to do this year? Read anything on prayer. I just need to pray. If I ever write a book on prayer, I want you to buy it. I want you to read it. I want you to sell it to your friends, right? Because I want to get an Airstream one day to take my grandkids out. No, I'm just kidding. You're looking at me like going, it doesn't even expand, doesn't even open up. Why would you buy such a thing? I don't need to go to another conference. They're encouraging, and books are encouraging for sure. I, I, but I feel like I know enough. Lord, I just need to rely upon you. God, I got to do some of that hard business of carve out some extra time in my life, wake up a little extra early, put the phone down a little bit more often than during the day, right, and just pray and have that inner strength in my life. What is something in your life today that you need to overcome? On your own, you've found you're unable to overcome. Is it forgiving someone who's wronged you? Is it a simple habit that has you ensnared? Is it addiction? Is it fear? God's strength can come in your life and 2020 can look totally different because of you having this mentality God, this is going to be a year of reliance. A God who's able, willing, to do far more abundantly than all that I could ask, imagine, think, write down as a prayer request. God has that ability. That inner person grows strong as we pray and rely on him. It also grows strong as we feast on God's word and we spend time in worship with other other people who have that same kind of heart. This first first request, again, for that inner strength. The second one, it sort of falls in the same line. It has to do with intimacy with God. And he mentions next, if you're taking notes, the first is that God wants to do a work of strength in your life. The second is that God wants to do a work of depth in your life, in my life. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does that mean? It's not saying that, hey, I'm praying that you have strength to... Uh, you know, have this inner strength through the power of the Spirit, and then Jesus could finally come live in your heart. It's not like that, you know, you have an Airbnb with Jesus, you know what I mean, where it's like, like, oh, I'm doing well this week. He's living in my heart. Oh, I I wasn't doing so great last week, and now he's like, you know, evacuated the situation. When a person believes in Jesus Christ, when they believe on him for eternal life, they confess their sins They believe that Jesus is Lord, that He's died for their sins and rose from the dead. We call it accepting Christ into our life. John calls it when when you believe that He gives you the right to be the son and daughter of God. However we phrase that, when you surrender to God, He comes into your life. He he dwells there forever. He doesn't leave. But what, what Paul's praying is that he would be at home in our hearts. Literally, that's what Paul is saying. That he would, not only he exists living inside of us, right, through the power of his Spirit, but he would actually be at home in our hearts. And this is this idea of the depth of a relationship that you and I could have with God, where he's at the very center of my life and he's he's, uh, at the core of every part of my life. Think about a home, you know, that Christ would come and dwell in. It's almost like there's so many different, you know, Areas of your life that you haven't and I haven't allowed him to have the lock or the key to get inside that room, right, that's got a little bit of stuff. If if Tam and I showed up at your house today, what's the one room you won't let us in, right? Do you all have a room like that? And you're just like, you know what? Don't let anyone come in this room. When we've had, like, people over... If Tam and I have, like, this is just, just you know, real life, right? If we got laundry all over our bed or whatever, just stuff, you know what I mean? Or we shoved everything in that one room, like, you know what I mean? Like, Dr. Seuss came through, you know what I mean? Cat in a hat and shoved it all in this room. Like, do not let anyone in this room. True story. We we uh, Steve West came to our house one Christmas time and and left the white elephant gift that he got at our house in my bed. You know what I mean? Like, and Tammy's like, mortified. Not that I saw this crazy wooden carved fish that was like, is this like a, a witch doctor snuck in and is trying to put a curse on me? No idea. Tammy's like, I can't believe Steve showed up and he walked in our bedroom without even letting us know. So if you know Steve West, sock him in the arm. Say, dude, you don't go snooping in people's rooms like that. We sent him a nice text later that night. I got rooms, man. I'd imagine you have some rooms right now that the Lord starts kind of knocking on those doors like, hey, let's go in this room. Lord, I don't, I don't want you to see that room. That, that's, that's, that's where my thoughts reside. And they're not thoughts that glorify you and honor you. There might be other areas of your life, your, uh, your relational life, right? Your dating life. Lord, I don't, I don't want you to be in charge of that. You know, we, we had been singing all Christmas long, right, these songs. Uh, it was uh, Silent Night, right, Holy Night, and then the rest of that song, and then uh, it was something about the little Lord Jesus laid down his head. He's Lord. That means that he's in charge. That means that you and I allow him to call the shots, and that means that he gently, lovingly, as a shepherd of our souls, takes us down to the hallway into rooms that you and I have been shutting off maybe for decades. And God says, it's time for me to, to be at home in this part of your life. It's, part, it's, it's time for you to allow a depth of relationship that is richer and more meaningful because you've allowed God to dig up some of the crud that we've been Lord, I'm embarrassed about that part. I don't want to deal with that part. And God says, I want to go to that next room, and I want to do a work in that area of your life. That he would be at home there. That he would be the dominant presence in my life. Total control over every facet of my life, in every room of my life. What a great goal for 2020. Say, Lord, I really want you to, 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 to be at the very core of who I am. And if that means we've got to go do some, you know, go in the messy rooms of life and deal with some things where he takes total possession of every area of my heart, he'll take you on a tour if you're open to it. He'll dig up some of that pain, those closets that hold things that we're not ready to give up, those basements of our life that hold the things that we're afraid to deal with and let out, things that we're trying to forget, and God's Spirit is saying, you know what, I can bring healing here if you will just open this door that's what that's what paul's talking about here isn't that rich to think that that god wants to actually come and take up residence in your life like that in my life like that some of you have some painful pasts and 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 it's like dealing with pain in our past it's like trying to hold a beach ball underwater and you get good at it for a while but every so often it pops up and you see it pop up in your life and you're like, whoa, and maybe everyone else is like, holy, what the heck just happened? And then you go, oh, I got it under control. Maybe this is a year for healing for you. Maybe this is a year for God to, to, to go into those areas of your life that you and I are afraid to, to, to deal with because we don't know what the outcome's gonna be. Can I promise you that the outcome is gonna be health and healing It doesn't change what's happened in the past. What happens is, is that past doesn't have any more control over our lives. Can I get an amen? One shot to say amen in this church the last Sunday of the year. How awesome is that? This isn't like, hey, I want to take control of your life. Oh, you want to get married one day? Negative. Oh, gosh, Lord, I guess you don't want me to, like have a life, enjoy my life, or whatever. Oh, you want to get a new job? Yeah, ha, 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 not going to happen. I don't know why we think that God wants to come and take control like somebody who wants to destroy our lives. How many you have a, never mind, going to say, how many of you guys have a parent that's trying to control your life, but the kids are here right now, and I don't want to stir up any drama, you know what I mean, before New Year's. You see, God knows you, and He loves you, and He wants to, to be in total control of your life. And then to the degree of your willingness and my willingness for for Christ to come and take over these rooms, if you would, of my life, is really the degree of richness and joy and freedom that I'm going to have in 2020 and you too. It's, It's strength he wants to give us in our inner being. It's depth in relationship that he wants to do in our lives. And then next, Paul mentions this idea, if you're writing notes down, you could write the word understanding or comprehending. Literally, that you and I would grasp the love that Jesus has for us in a deeper way. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand or to understand fully. To be rooted like a plant or a tree, drawing nourishment for your soul in the love of Jesus. That's where we get our nourishment. It's where we get our stability. It's where we get our strength from. He these two constants, right? Like a, a tree that plants roots, and then architecture that has like a firm foundation. That you and I would have these roots and the solid foundation. This depth in the life of a Christian that has their roots down deep into the love of Christ, and established like a building, stable, solid, able to withstand the trials of life. There's something to this here. I think that you and I, the, to the degree that we actually kind of like um, get tossed to and fro when trials come our way, I think it's deeply connected to our um, inability to grasp how much God loves us, right? It, when, you come, when, you come into, when you come to face something that you don't understand in life, which we all have, right? There's things you just, I don't understand this. I don't understand why God would allow this to happen. We have those moments. We've had them when we look back through the corridor of time in our life. We're going to have those moments as we head into the future of our life. We may even have them right here, sitting here right now. You're going like, Lord, why would you allow this to happen? When you come against those kinds of moments of questioning, you have to fall back on what you do know. And if you're a believer you're supposed to know, what Paul says, by experience, this, the love of Christ. And when my roots are down in the love of Christ and my foundation is built on His love and what He has done for me, that gives me a stability and a strength to withstand some of the storms that come my way in life. This idea of having a strength in my innermost being, a depth in my relationship with Him, and fully understanding and comprehending this love that God has for me. He says it's impossible to know fully, right? I think that we all understand when people love us, like we, we, we hear them say, hey, I love you. It's possible to know that something is true like that, right? It's different though to experience it. This is more than understanding it. It's experiencing it. It's, it's making it your own. This word to know, it's a word that is, is, means experientially. This Greek word, gnosko, it's like to know through experience. It's something that I know because I've experienced it, right? A baby might not fully understand the love of a mother, but that child experiences it. It's so fun to, for Tammy and I to watch uh, our kids, you know, to see like my grandchild, my grandchild. <laughs> I'm careful to say that around my children I'm like, oh, I love your baby. I'm like, it's my. <laughs> it, it is so awesome to see like her face, six-week-old face, like light up when my son is talking to his daughter. And then to see when this child starts getting fussy to see Whitney or incre- incredible daughter-in-law, like hold uh, baby Addie and, and just you know the the to know that man, this child already knows and has experienced the love of the mom. the dad in this household. We can't fully comprehend all of God's love, but we can experience it in that kind of knowledge way. When tough times come, we're not thrown off because that truth keeps us stable. I might not know why something is happening, but I know that he loves me. The love of Jesus is unsearchable. We can never fully explore it. I've talked with pastors before. We could literally teach on John 3.16, all year long, and not fully understand what God meant and what God did when he sent his one and only son to die on our behalf. It's unsearchable. But the one, the more you and I learn about Christ and his love, the more amazed we are about him. And he mentions the horizontal and vertical beams of his love, the perfect place that that's displayed is, is the vertical and horizontal beams of the cross, right? It's at the cross where we see the love of Christ fully displayed. It was Billy Graham who said that when you and I look at the cross, it's God saying to the world, I love you. You've ever wondered, like, I don't know if God loves me. You look through the corridor of time, and you see 2,000 years ago, you see a perfect Savior hanging naked on a cross. All of his blood being poured out, beaten and shamed even before his nation and before his own mother who is standing at the foot of the cross, bearing your sin and bearing my sin because of love. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us. In that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you, some of you guys grew up in church and maybe you've heard, maybe you've been to a funeral where someone is saying that the song, The Old Rugged Cross. Man, what a, what a great hymn that was written years back. And the words of that song, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. That's for me. That was for you that Jesus willingly left heaven to come and take your place, my place, as he hung on the cross and absorbed the wrath of almighty God for all the sins of the world that we would grasp this in a greater way, the love of Christ will revolutionize how you and I live out 2020. We'll change, it's a game changer, according to Paul, even though you're never going to fully understand the love that God has for you. Get rooted in it, get grounded in it. It's, it's the foundation of Christianity, that love that flows to me, that I'm adopted into his family, that he's made me his own. And by the way, it's a love that flows from us to other believers to our family, and to our community, that vertical love and that horizontal love that goes out from us. And he mentions in verse 18, with all the saints, this isn't an isolated experience, I find that as I'm dwelling with other believers, who are on the same pursuit as me to know God and to walk with him, to experience his love, we find that that love gets amplified in our life as we exchange it with one another, and we when we receive it from other people. To know the love of Christ, though we can never fully comprehend it and understand it, and the result is what Paul mentions next is fullness, strength, depth, understanding, and fullness—a full life with Jesus. This is an interesting thought when Paul mentions this. He doesn't say that you you would be full with God. He actually says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Like all that God is, that you would be filled with that kind of a fullness. You know, when Solomon dedicated the temple and they prayed and he prayed, you know, a prayer over, over, you know, that God's presence would reside there and that the people of God would go and worship there. And that when they sinned, that they would go and they would pray there, that God would be merciful and forgive their sin. He made the statement that the heavens, he understood that this temple, though it was dedicated to be the representation of God's presence there for the nation of Israel and for other nations that came and believed in the God of Israel. But he recognized that this temple can't contain all of you, God. For he even said that that all of the heavens were not vast enough to contain God. And yet Paul prays that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. It's mind-blowing. One translation reads it like this. That you may be filled through all of your being unto all the fullness of God. may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Does that sound like an amazing 2020? Hey, why are things so good for you this year? Man, I'm filled with all the fullness of God. Like, I am filled. That's a great way to start off January at your first staff meeting of the year. How are you guys doing? I'm blessed. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Don't do that. Or don't say that you go to RVC if you do that. <laughs> Everyone's like going, okay, whatever. Paul ask God to do the impossible. That you and I would know a love that surpasses knowledge and that we'd be filled with the one the universe cannot contain. That is a, a, a hope for a, a, a year of spiritual renewal. I know that that's a work that God wants to do in our lives. I know that's a, God, a work that God wants to do in my life. And as a leader of RVC, I know it's a work that God is inspiring us as leaders to pray in and through our church family. Can you imagine what your year could look like at the end of 2020 if this becomes a core theme of your life? God strengthen me with a strength that's beyond me. It's not a willpower kind of thing. This is a God's Holy Spirit empowering you to do things that are impossible to do. That Christ would and my life would go deeper with Christ, that he would dwell in my life, that I wouldn't be afraid to unlock this door. Lord, you got access to this room now. God, you have access to this area of my life. Lord, I want you to take total control. I'd be a game changer for that to be kind of at the forefront of your mind heading into 2020. God, I want that kind of strength. God, I want that kind of depth. God, I want a greater understanding of what it means to be loved by you and, and your love going through me. And Lord, to have a fullness, a richness, something that I haven't experienced yet, to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for my wife, for my sons, my daughter-in-law, my grandchild. That's my, that's my hope and prayer for 2020 for all of our church family. Lord, that we would experience that kind of renewal, That kind of um, allowing Jesus to be at the core of who we are. And that will change everything. And all the while, you're trusting that God's going to take care of your needs. God's going to open the doors you need him to open. God's going to bring healing and restoration to the areas that you want him to do. Then he leaves What's this doxology that you and I close with. Verse 20 and 21. Now to him. It's as if he's caught up in wonder and awe of God that he says, now to him. Now to him who is able. That would be a great statement when you think about, how am I going to get through this situation in 2020? Now to him who is able. God, how is this going to work out in my life? Now to him. How do I face blank? Now to him. Now to him, he says, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I don't know what your situation is today, what you need him to do in your life, what you need him to do in your family's life, what you're asking him to do that seems impossible for it to happen in your life, but let that be a promise that you wake up to each day. Now to him is able. I can't think of a greater way to send RBC off into 2020 than for you and I to to live with this idea, I have hope because he's able. I have expectancy. When I write a prayer request down, God, this isn't, Lord, I want a Lamborghini kind of prayer request. This is, Lord, I want to see this loved one restored and healed. Lord, I want to see this child of mine who's wandered from you brought back to Jesus. Lord, I want to see miraculous work and healing in a marriage. That's God kind of stuff, my friends. Now to him who is able, far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, through the power that is at work within us. Our God is able, amen? Amen. What a promise. Jesus did all of this for us, made us his own, indwells us, and he's able to do far more abundantly than all we hope or desire. The question is, as is we head into 2020, are we believing that God is able? Do we trust that God is able? What a great statement of our faith to speak out that promise, to memorize even that section of Scripture heading into 2020, to lead your children with this understanding, my my kids, that, that God is able to do abundantly beyond all that you could ever hope for and dream about, and to lead our friends and our loved ones with that same kind of understanding. What are you looking for God to do in 2020? Do you have that kind of expectation? Do you have that kind of hope? I hope that you do. What do you need from the Lord this morning? What do you need him to do in your life? You know, as we wrap up our service last one of the year, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. One is this. Maybe this morning there are some kind of areas of your life where you say, I need that kind of supernatural work. You know, we have um, uh, prayer teams available during our last song of, of worship or last songs of worship on Sundays and also after the service is over on both sides of these rooms. There's a little table with these little, you know, candles lit in them so that you could find your way over there during the the time of worship. You know what happens when a person actually chooses to trust God and to believe God? The Bible says that God moves in response. James says, you have not because you ask not. God wants to move in your life, but guess what? It happens in response to believing prayer. You might have an an overwhelming situation that you're facing. You may have a door that seems to not budge or move. Wouldn't it be great for us to head into 2020 as a church family saying, like, I gather with other Christians on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and I'm believing that God's going to do a great work in, in our life. I want you to respond like that. Maybe you received prayer this morning during our last time of worship. Maybe you'll write it down on a prayer card and trust that God's going to answer that prayer as we are praying in 2020 and praying in our prayer night in the middle of January. And then maybe this morning is, is your chance and your opportunity to head into a new year with God finally in charge of your life. Where Christianity isn't like a list of do's and don'ts or uh, just another religious option that you have in your, in your, in your line of sight but that God himself would come and take up residence in your life, that God himself would actually become your Savior and your Lord. How does a person become a Christian? You don't, you're not born into a Christian family. You're not a Christian because your grandma was a Christian, or your parents were Christian, or your boyfriend or girlfriend is a Christian. You're a Christian when you actually come to that place in your life where you surrender your heart to God. Where you realize that you're a sinner, that you're like the rest of us, you've broken God's commands. Where you recognize that Jesus is the one who died specifically for you on the cross and he rose from the dead. Where you choose to turn from your sin, we call that repentance, that you've been living your life going in your own direction. Repentance means doing a 180 and say, God, I'm gonna go in the direction of you and allow you to take over my life. It's really receiving Jesus into your life as Savior and Lord. And that happens in a moment when you say, God, I'm ready to surrender. I want to encourage you if you've never made that decision that today would be the day that you say, God, I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to allow you to come take up residence of my heart and my life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your goodness. And thank you for this prayer that we read that Paul prayed for this church in the early first century. And Lord, it resonates with us, God. We need these Things in our life, God. Our life will be significantly richer and better because of, of these four areas of our inner life that you start working in and you uh, amplify that work as we surrender more and more and more and trust in you more and more and more. Lord, do that work in my life, God. Do it in my family. Do it in my friends that are here this morning in this church body. Those that aren't with us this morning, God, that you would do that work of renewal, Lord, as we head into.